interesting when you got kids in here, right? So uh, we're going to try to do our best. How about, how about that? Is that all right? Merry Christmas, everybody. It's great to see everyone. We're in an exciting series that we are finishing up here on Christmas Sunday that we've called, If All We Had Were Christmas Carols, where we've been talking about Christmas carols and some of the meaning behind them, and uh, we're going to continue with that uh, this morning as well. So far, we've talked about joy to the world um, four weeks ago, and when we talked about joy to the world, we learned that joy to the world was really not written as a Christmas song. It was written about the second coming of Jesus, and so we talked about how that song talks about three advents, the second coming of Jesus, also the first coming of Jesus when he came at Bethlehem, but also let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing how he comes to each of us individually. And that's the third advent in our hearts. We talked about that on the first week. The next week we talked about Bethlehem and what a unique place it was for God to choose uh, to come uh, to this earth. And we learned that Bethlehem was small enough to show the greatness of Christ, dark enough to see the everlasting light, quiet enough to hear the good news, and Bethlehem was the right name for a city because it was the house of bread, and Jesus came to be the bread of life, and he is the bread basket of the world. Amen? So we talked about that that week. Last week, Melanie did a great job on Hark the Herald Angels Sing, talking about what her Prince of Peace would look like. She imagined what the Prince of Peace that, uh, that she imagined would look like and how he actually came in a different form. But she uh, read us the uh, words to, uh, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, and at the end she declared, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will toward man. So we've dealt with, you know, all of the characters around the story, the angels and the city of Bethlehem and the good news that was given. But today we want to turn our attention away from the Magi, away from the shepherds and really away from the city. And, and Mary and Joseph really are only supporting cast this morning because we want to focus on the center one in this manger scene that we saw this morning, and that is Jesus himself. And so we are going to do my favorite Christmas carol, which may be a Christmas carol some of you have never heard. But I've heard it every year of my life, because my dad sings this song every year. How many have heard the song, Sweet Little Jesus Boy? Sweet little Jesus boy. Okay, probably maybe less than half of us, but sweet little Jesus boy, I'm going to talk about that. But before I do so, we want to open our Bibles, and if you don't have your Bible, it'll show up on the screen here, to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to try to do this by memory after hearing it for 51 years now. And I'm doing it from the King James. If you're new, we don't normally preach from the King James. But this story traditionally is told in the King James Version. It's the way that I heard it as a kid, and so it's the way that I want to quote it to us this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. 
And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, And so it was. The days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. A couple things sort of jumped out to me this year as I was rereading this story in the King James Version. The first one was this thing that we read where it said that that Joseph went up from Galilee. And, 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 and if you know any of the, uh, the, the geography there, he's going from north to south. And normally when we go to Florida, we don't say, I'm going up to Florida. We say, I'm going down to Florida. But he said, I'm going up. He went up from Galilee. And part of the reason is certainly because the, the topography moves up as you move closer to Jerusalem. It's kind of like even though Gatlinburg is a little south of us, we could say I'm going up to Gatlinburg because because it it gets higher there. But spiritually, I think there's even more going on there. This is an upward story that, that Joseph is going to a very significant place, but it says that he's going up and then it says he's going out of, out of Nazareth. And I remember the scripture, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He came out of Nazareth. He came into Judea, and then he came unto the city of David, which is Bethlehem. And I was thinking as I was reading that, that when all of us find our personal relationship with Jesus, we come out of somewhere, and we come into somewhere, but finally we must come unto somewhere. Because I think it's, I think it's possible to be in the church, but never have come unto Jesus and unto the manger. And so so we come out so that we can come in, but it's not just enough to come in. But finally they came unto the city of David. And then another little thing that struck me from this story was, was the days were accomplished. And I know on one level it just means that her term was up, her nine months was up, but you know, when I read that I thought, you know, the... Not only were her days accomplished, but our days were accomplished. These days of labor, these days of struggle, these days of of looking forward to, and these days of longing, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Sweet little Jesus boy. I could not do a series on Christmas carols without including this Christmas carol. It's not the last, it's not, it, it, this one is last, but it's not the least. It was written by a guy named Robert McGimsey. And, and I had never really heard the story about how this song came into being until this year as I was studying a little bit about it. But just a, a note about it, why it has just been important in my family. Years and years ago, my dad, and you young people won't know what this is, but this is something called a record. It's, a, it's like a giant CD. And uh, this is my dad. And uh, my dad made a record when he was in college. It's, 
You can see it's beaten up. I think they sold for five bucks back then. But this record was called, I Find No Fault in Him. And when you look at the uh, songs that he sang in that record, the last song on there was Sweet Little Jesus Boy. And my dad has sung that song every year since then. I do not sing as well as my dad, and I do not sing as well as my son. But I'm going to be the man in the middle today and try to sing it for you, okay? For those of you who haven't heard the song. And I've asked Pete to accompany me on the guitar. Let's hear it for Pete back here. I really appreciate it. He's going to try to make me sound better than I am. But for those of you who have not heard the song, let me just say a word about the song and about the writer. This guy, he wrote spirituals in the African-American form, but he was a white guy. But he was a white guy that grew up on a plantation in Louisiana. He was born in 1898, and he was raised by mostly black people that worked in the plantation. Many of them were former slaves, and his nanny was black. He went on to become a lawyer and an attorney, but he wrote some famous songs. He wrote one called Shadrach that Louis Armstrong uh, sang, uh, but he also wrote this song, Sweet Little Jesus Boy, and he wrote the song... When he was coming out of a Christmas Eve service in 1932 in New York City, he was walking back to his one-room apartment, and their speakeasies were uh, lining the streets there, and people were coming out of the bars, and they were drinking, and some were singing, and some were fighting, and some were passed out on the street in 1932. He went back to his room, and he penned these words, Sweet little Jesus boy... They made you be born in a manger. Sweet little Jesus boy, we didn't know who you was. Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord, to take our sins away. Our eyes was blind. We couldn't see. We didn't know who you was. And he wrote it as an apology to Jesus. The contrast between what he had just experienced in the Christmas service and what he, was singing, what he was seeing on the streets of New York made him say, We're sorry, Jesus. We didn't know who you were. Sweet little Jesus boy. Let me, let, let me change over to a handheld mic. Where did the yellow mic go? Oh, thank you. Talk amongst yourselves. Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord, to take our sins away. Our eyes was blind, we couldn't see. We didn't know 
time ago you was born born in a manger low sweet little Jesus boy the world treats you mean Lord treat me mean too but that's how things is down here we don't Trying master, you done showed us how, even when you was dying, just seem like we can't do right. Look how we treated you. But please, sir, forgive us, Lord. We don't know who you is. little Jesus boy born long time ago sweet little holy child and we didn't Thank you very much. The song was written as an apology to Jesus. Please, sir, forgive us, Lord. We didn't know it was you. I'm not going to preach very long, but the story of, of the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus desperately needs to be told. And as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about the world and its need to hear the story of Jesus, and I thought it would be nice to hear from some people around the world. There are people in a section of the world called the 1040 window. If you've, if you've heard of the 1040 window, it's 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north of the equator. And in that place, 4.4 billion people live. 
Two-thirds of the world's population live in that 1040 window. And I believe there's a picture of it up there for you. And you can see where it is. And most of the unreached peoples of the world who have never heard the story of Jesus live in that region. And however, only 10% of our mission efforts are focused in the 1040 window. Most missionaries are going to places where where um, the gospel is already known, but, but very few are going to the 1040 window, a place that definite, desperately and definitely needs Jesus. And I asked Nick Brackett, who has, a, um, who has roots in this church, if he would just give us a short little Christmas message from Thailand. He's in the 1040 window this morning. Here's Nick. Good morning, my church. This is Nick Brackett. As you probably know, our family serves in Thailand where 99% of the people here don't know Jesus. And we are sorry that we didn't know that you came. All right, so, so, so Nick gave us an apology from the part of the world who's never even heard that Jesus was here. They didn't know any better. They didn't know that he came. And I really think the apology needs to be from the rest of us world that does know. We're sorry that we haven't yet let you know. So Nick is over there, and he is teaching a course called the Alpha Course, where they are teaching the gospel and teaching the very basics of Christianity to people, many who have never heard the name of Jesus. My daughter Natalie has been a semester in Thailand. It's a, it's a country that is that is reeling with the sex trafficking and all kinds of, of things that are going on in that country, and they desperately need the story of Jesus. I also wanted to hear from another place in the world, and that is the Western world, because we have access to Jesus. We have access to the gospel, and, and Europe was one time the center of the gospel, and Europe is quickly fading away in terms of its, in terms of its um, uh, religious um, devotion to Jesus. And so most people in, in, uh, in uh, Europe today would be what are called nuns, no, uh, no uh, religious affiliation. Uh, we have a friend that was from my last church in Illinois that uh, when she was doing her Ph.D. work, she came to Southern Illinois University to do it, and she was studying the human brain. Well, she's gone on uh, to greatness and done great things in the academic world, uh, but she was also a leader in our church. But today, she is a professor at Cambridge University uh, in, um, in England, and so she's just going to give us about a five-minute a little video about uh, a little bit of what's going on at Cambridge. And this is Shelley Ellefson.
Amen. It's funny for me to hear her because she's from North Dakota and she's talking like that. But uh, uh, she's, she's been there. She's been there for a while now. But, but she says some things that are very important and, and, and she represents to me the Western world that we've, we've become sort of too big for our britches. And in our pursuit of knowledge and in our pursuit of money and in our pursuit of, uh, of everything um, prosperity-wise... Somewhere this, this Christmas story and this, this Jesus who came and was born in a manger and he died on a rough-hewn cross, this story has been missed and, and, and it's even been shocking to me as I've moved from Illinois to, to Knoxville, which is to be sort of right in the middle of the Bible Belt. This morning in the Bible Belt, more than half of our population chose not to attend church anywhere this morning, right in the Bible Belt in America, and it concerns me. I really believe church, and as we move to 2016, you know, I believe that our church houses should be filled up and down the streets of the city. Amen. We've got the greatest story that's ever been told, and we need to tell this story and broadcast this story. And, and, and as Shelley was saying, it needs not just to be part of our heritage and something that we talk about, something that we used to do and something that used to be meaningful to us. This, this, this week, my daughter Natalie and I had the opportunity to go to Florida. I called it my one-day vacation. She, uh, she, had, uh, she was down there on business, and uh, she allowed me to go along with her and uh, she said, I'll provide the room, Dad, if you'll uh, come on down. So she got a little two-bedroom apartment down there. And uh, we, we went down there. And um, my wife has Delta privileges. I don't know if you know that. I got to fly to Florida for 35 bucks, So uh, it was awesome. So uh, we went down and we stayed in Palm Springs. Never been to Palm Springs before. I didn't know places like that existed in America. We were staying in a, in a, in a bed and breakfast, in a, it's called Airbnb. We were staying in a room in a gated community at the PGA National. This was, this was a gorgeous place. Five golf courses on, in this community. The Ryder Cup has been played there. The PGA Tournament has been played there. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of those places, if you're familiar with these, these really rich places, that they're almost embarrassed to have McDonald's there, you know. So, so like, they'll have, like, the, the M is very small. They don't let it be very big, you know. And, like, gas stations are embarrassing to them, you know. So, so they kind of, like, hide their gas stations behind palm trees so you don't have to see those ugly pumps out there, you know, that people would hook up to their cars. You know, everything is very subtle and very... Very just so, and everything was green. It was the color of money. And we were there, and, and, uh, and, and we, we heard from people that Tiger Woods lived nearby. And we, we heard that Serena and Venus Williams lived nearby, and that Joe Namath lived nearby. We were in high cotton, and we were interlopers. We don't belong there, but we were there, and we faked it well for a day. But one thing that I noticed is that the Christmas was so subdued there. It was, 
They must have had local codes. Don't put those garish lights on your houses and in your bushes and all of those things. So we didn't see any of those lights on the bushes and and houses and all of those kind of things. You know, in front of the gated community would just be a, a very dignified wreath, you know, with a menorah next to it. And not the word Christmas as so not as not to offend anyone, but it was just hint of Christmas and it didn't feel very Christmas-like. And we were down there and I was thinking about America and I was thinking about the, the state of our country and the state of our world that we're living in. Hey, Life Church, if ever this world needed to hear this beautiful little story that I just told about a man who, who went up from Galilee who went out of the city of Nazareth and he went into Judea and he went unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because the birth of a Savior was there. What the world needs now, what ISIS needs now, what everything that's going on in this world needs, right? What America needs now is Jesus Christ. So I thought we would hear from around the world, but I don't want to leave... I don't want to leave this in a, in, a negative, in a negative place because there are great things that are happening in the world today. And I thought about another friend of ours at Life Church who we get to hear, and when he's home, he's with us some, and that is, of course, Evans Kariyuki, um, the uh, Kenyan evangelist who's right now in Kenya, and I just got his video this morning. Here is uh, Evans. And so the good news is that even in the uh, 1040 window, the, the, the gospel is spreading. You know where the gospel is spreading most today? is in the country of China. Uh, hundreds of thousands of Christians are coming to Christ every year uh, in China. The gospel is growing. Uh, in Mongolia, just a few years back, there were only four known Christians in the whole country. Today there are over 10,000 Christians in that country. I had a friend who... Um, when she went to college, she went to Kenya uh, for one semester 
uh, of college. She, she took off of college just to go with youth with a mission. She made a very strange statement to her parents. She said, when I go to Kenya, she said, if for some reason I should die when I'm there, I want to be buried with the people. No, we thought she was just being a little dramatic. But a month before she was to return, she contracted malaria. It was the worst strain of malaria, and my friend Kathy lost her life in the country of Kenya. Here's the good news, folks. When Kathy died, only 10% of the Maasai tribe that she was uh, ministering to knew Jesus. Today, over 90% of the Maasai people know Jesus. Her life was not in vain. The seed that she planted in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ has borne fruit. Not only that, but it was at her funeral that I accepted my call to the ministry. And her life inspired me. And the reason that I'm here today is because there was a girl who was willing to give her life for the gospel and go to Kenya. I was privileged to go back to her her grave uh, site in Kenya several years back. And when I went there, there was just these little wooden crosses. And I'd seen pictures of her uh, wooden cross. It said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when I went to the place, I could see little wooden crosses everywhere, but there was none where her cross was supposed to be. There were, uh, there were half crosses, three-quarter crosses, one-quarter cross, because the place was filled with termites, and they were eating these little uh, crosses. And it had been now 20 years, and her, her little gravestone, or her little grave marker had been completely e- eaten up um, by termites. But we were able to uh, put a concrete marker there, and in that concrete we wrote her favorite scripture, which is, For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I came here this morning to tell you what the world needs right now. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. I was so glad for the way he shared it. Your cat needs to know. Your dog needs to know. <laughs> Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Our job on this Christmas Sunday is to go out as ambassadors and to tell this story, not just to tell this story, 